0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Hour 2. it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. I'll unveil uh, today's text topic for your chance to win tickets to the Heritage Classic next month in Edmonton. It's the final pair we're giving away on the show this week. It's been a lot of fun.
0: You know, we actually got a text just now asking what the prompt is.
1: Oh, wow. What the prompt is. I, li- I like text that like question, the prompt. Pardon? I like that they're thirsty. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of the hour, Luke Gazdick. Everyone knows how thirsty our listeners are. No, so thirsty. Uh, Luke Gazdick, uh, NHL on Sportsnet analyst, host of the mid Podcast at 7.30. And uh, we'll also... I want to play an interesting clip from training camp yesterday. The first full day, the med- media availability... This is the one where Jonathan Huberto says the Spinorama is back, baby. No. Oh. Uh, it's about uh, Michael Backlund. Oh. And I want to play that clip. But first, uh, Jays kicking off a series at beautiful Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay. Um, Going to be a tough one after last night's loss to Garrett Cole and the Yankees. To talk about the Blue Jays and their playoff chances, uh, he is the radio voice of the Blue Jays on the Sportsnet radio network. We say good morning on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Park It's online to Ben Wagner. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh. oh, just lost him.
0: Yeah, he's calling back. Technical difficulties. That's my favorite thing. If you want, I can just play a little bit of Ben Wagner audio I have saved here. What no, he's have? back. He's ben ready. Ben Wagner on Manoa.
1: He called immediately back because he's a professional. Punchies. Yeah. Mm. You think Alec Manoa's pitching for the Blue Jays again, Patrick? You really do? Yeah, I think he can. Yeah. Uh, I think he's back. I, I don't think know. He... I don't know. Benny, are you there?
2: Good morning. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm great. Uh, I'm. I think I'm like every other Blue Jay fan, though, trying to plan life, you know, around October. And yep. Are we in? Are we not in? I don't know. Mm. Uh, it's all. <laughs> it's
1: always fun when you see that story that the Blue Jays are uh, selling playoff tickets. That's always encouraging. Oh, well, I like this
2: story. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to working on in October. Honestly, I'm planning on it. Uh, yep. I, you know the math is difficult to figure out right now. And everybody's like, well, when can we clinch? When can we clinch? Um, And I'm said, I think it's really too soon to tell of course. And who would have thought in just a matter of four days, how quickly things turned around because things were looking pretty bleak and things were looking pretty gray around Rogers center, to be honest with you after that Rangers series. But all of a sudden Red Sox come to town and you get a little help on the out-of-town scoreboard. And, uh, you know, the sun came up. And and he played pretty well in New York. So, uh, the problem is you get Gary Cole again. And you have Tyler Glass now likely twice. And you get Michael King again. And uh, it, it's, it's not going to be easy. But, no. you know, you, you don't want to point at certain things. But over the course of the season, the inconsistency of the offense is kind of why the Blue Jays are here. But... But I, they control their own destiny, right? They don't mm-hmm. need they don't need too much help to get in. They can not control if they win, they're in. That's the bottom line.
1: Uh, ben, there's a there's a laundry list of reasons why I hate the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, <laughs> they took the fun out of baseball. They play in that terrible ballpark, whatever. But you just got to give them so much credit. The resiliency that group is showing after that just disgusting Wander Franco story, and to bounce back from that and go on this absolute heater. And be a team that is uh, scary to play in the playoffs, just based on what they do, how they pitch, how they play defense. I just—it's just exhausting uh, that the Blue Jays always got to play this team in that damn ballpark, Ben. And it's—it's going to be a tough series this weekend. That's not really a question; it's more of a statement.
2: <laughs> hey, this turned into <laughs> therapy, didn't it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Obviously the trop is not a great place for anybody to do anything. Um, and, and I've been at a Christmas concert there too. So and I didn't I didn't, whoa, I didn't have fun there. What do you mean Christmas um, what did you see? What do you mean Christmas concert? It was like Christmas on light. Christmas and lights and it was uh, you know, they got lights and music and like displays and okay. uh, yeah. I tried very hard to get in the holiday cheer and I was still at the trop. So <laughs> uh,
1: Do they hang lights? <laughs> Do they hang lights from the catwalk? And you're like, is yes, that a double? Yes. Is that a home run? You don't really know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They hang coal, actually, from the rings. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh, man. It was, uh, yeah. Let's uh, Now I'm shivering. So, yeah. so the Rays do so much right. You know, you look at everything you just said about the Tampa Bay Rays, but they always have a way of figuring something out. And and it's not because they go out and they sign a mega deal for somebody for money and years and they turn the franchise around. That, that's not the case. They they unearth these nuggets uh, for somebody. They they tweak something along the way. You know, maybe it's a new pitch. Maybe it's uh, uh, finding Yandy Diaz, right? Who's having a career year? They they find Harold Ramirez. Uh, they they do certain things certain ways and Kevin Cash manages his butt off and, and has a unique combination of meetings that he has probably starting at like 8.30 in the morning with a lot of his baseball operations people after the computers you know, are done smoking and they, they take everything that they try to map out from early in the morning through the afternoon and then he uses his gut and here is a Rays series that means a lot to Tampa Bay who I talked with people in the Rays organization yesterday Kind of as a primer for the series coming up tonight, the Rays still believe that they can run down the Baltimore Orioles. So these next three days aren't just going to be about Tampa Bay going through the motions, knowing they've got a ticket to the postseason. Uh, this is going to be a grind because Tampa Bay needs every win, just like the Blue Jays need every win because they want a division crown.
0: Ben, what's the worry level on Vladi's
2: knee? I'm going to put it at. A seven.
0: Okay. It's kind of you know, high.
2: It was, it's kind of hot. Well, it should be high, right? Because things were going that great for Vladdy to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, this season, his swing is a mess. He has had no consistent run of success. I know he had the three straight games that he hit a home run. Uh, okay. That's great. But we have not seen a great streak of offensive consistency from Vladdy at any point this year. Now, it was encouraging, and this is why I might ratchet it down the three rungs, because he came off the bench last night to pinch hit, but, man, you know, that the swing just did not look that great uh, in that situation. And, he, you know, he he hit a, a three-hopper to the third baseman, you know? I mean, it's kind of more of the same. So uh, the soreness is something that he has battled before. This really goes back to 2021. It was kind of like not – talked about because he was so good in 2021, but every year down the stretch, that knee gets a little creaky on him, and and the reason that out of an off day, he DHs first and played the game, and then was scheduled to DH again. I was uh, actually with Joe Siddle, and I said, this is weird. Back-to-back DH days when we got the lineup originally for Vlad coming out of an off day, I said, that doesn't make sense. And then we learned about the knee soreness and the inflammation. Um, so that that's why it is concerning. And you don't want to manage anything when you're playing your most important baseball. And here it is. You thought you got past the hurdle of Matt Chapman. You thought he got to pass the hurdle of Bo Bichette and in any concern of like DH days, load management days, which they did with Bo for almost two weeks after his return. And now you got this thing with Lottie creeping up. So it, it's concerning. It is concerning.
0: I know that it was good in a sense to see him come out of that dugout and hit. But what did you make of that decision at that point of the game?
2: Yeah, with with what we know about Vlad, right, and everything I just said, I would have rolled the dice with David Schneider. I would have. Mm-hmm. I thought David Schneider would have given the Blue Jays an opportunity to hit the home run there and and, and see if lightning can strike. I, I really did. Uh, I I thought. I thought it was a, I mean, it's a good move in terms of belief, but again, we have not seen a, a, a menacing threat in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I almost thought, I said this on the air, I almost thought him kind of holding the batting helmet and, you know, putting the armband on there might've been a little bit of a decoy to think about, well, maybe you can force the Yankees to do something or think about something else. And maybe he wouldn't get that at bat, but, um, you know, Davis Schneider has been 0 for his last 26 uh, and and has been exposed a little bit here in this current run. And it's been a great story with Davis. It really has. But in that scenario, I still would have probably stuck with Davis.
1: Ben Wagner is the voice of the Blue Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Rusk and Rose. 960 the fan uh we saw the story of the injections alec manoa's had in his arm maybe that's kind of the reason why uh, he's had the difficulties i feel like and again this is a a person who's on the outside perspective i feel like there's maybe a disconnect between him and the organization right now do you think he's pitched his last game for the blue jays ben
2: i don't know that he's pitched his last ball game for the blue jays but i find everything that's that's come out in the last, like, seven to ten days. It's weird. Very, very interesting. Yeah. You know, the Blue Jays and Ross Atkins sat down with the media shortly after that uh, option. And the uncertainty around Alec Manoa, which is going to be multiple-layered here. Um, To answer your question, I don't think he's pitched his last ball game for the Toronto Blue Jays, but I find everything that's happened since very, very interesting. And I point at the last seven to ten days because – he has gone under extensive medical examination and testing, both from the Blue Jays and from, from what I understand are people that are around him as well, kind of encouraging in this. And to do it now doesn't really make sense because why didn't you do it or why didn't the Blue Jays do it or come up with this option six weeks ago? and try to salvage something, you know, and, and to go back all the way to the middle of August when the option was first made, um, you know, and I've, I've been on record with sources that I have within the, within the organization as well. Um, things were great. You know, things were great in that time between the two and, you Certainly doesn't seem like anything has kind of been smoothed over. And, and now we're looking for answers with Alec. And the injections is certainly something that's very interesting.
0: What have you made of the way the Blue Jays have played against the Rays this year? This series, it's a three-gamer. And if the playoffs started today, it would also be the opening matchup in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Not a fun place you'd want to go, you know, for the playoffs. No. Uh, you know, historically, the Blue Jays... Just have not played well at Tropicana Field. I think it's been eight straight series that they've they've not been able to win. Um, and again, it goes back to the to the reasons why the Rays are successful, right? They just come up with they come up with ways to beat you. Um, now, the Blue Jays the Blue Jays have played Tampa Bay tough. Uh, if you go back to the beginning of the season, it was it was a terrible start within the division, specifically a terrible start against the Orioles, a terrible start against the Boston Red Sox. The Blue Jays have played better within the AL East recently. Uh, they played okay against the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, In fact, one of the three wins was an absolute throttling of Tampa Bay. Um, Vladdy hit the grand slam off the position player and yada, yada, yada. The Rays don't intimidate the Toronto Blue Jays, but going back to 2019, 2020 specifically, where Toronto – started to develop this little rivalry, you know, know, everybody points at the Red Sox and they were still at the time, very competitive. And the New York Yankees obviously were extremely good then too. The Blue Jays in that, in that clubhouse. And I remember talking with, with guys going into spring training in 2020 and then 2021 too, which that was a weird time. And we, we all know that, but, you could see that the Rays were going to be good with some consistency moving ahead and not only, you know, lead the division, but really trying to make their mark in this next two or three year window. And here they are, they're doing it. Everybody in the organization and specifically in that clubhouse realized that success in the postseason meant you had to go through Tampa Bay. So in 2020, the Tampa Bay Rays, they make it to the world series. They lose uh, 2021, another really tough year for the Blue Jays against the Tampa Bay Rays. And and they fall short of even getting through to the playoffs, you know, by a game because of things that happened. Uh, last year, again, you know, make it to the playoffs, tough against the division, tough against the Tampa Bay Rays. You, you don't have the success you want against the Seattle Mariners when you kind of got in uh, there at the last minute. Everything the Blue Jays now have in front of them, (laughs) as coincidence would have it, guess what? Six out of the last nine against the Tampa Bay Rays. So their own season success now has to go through Tampa Bay. Let alone any sort of postseason success before you can even start to make your postseason plans.
1: It's always the race, man. It's just it's always the race. Just they just have that just different feel around them all the time, and it's just so it's just been a house of horrors there. And you just hope the Blue Jays can just flip the narrative. That would be a great Blue Jays be, beat the, the Rays in the playoffs Went sweep two games in Tampa Bay maybe we can put that all to bed Ben like if the Blue Jays nice get into turnaround. the playoffs and knock yeah. out the Rays in two straight games at the trop I think that narrative is dead then <laughs> that it's a house of horrors. Like the thing is I, if you beat them in
0: these two series you're going to have to play them in the playoffs.
1: No right but if you can do it yeah, I think you and can then kill you, that narrative. Yeah exactly.
2: Yeah if if you beat the Rays it's going to be because they're secured in that top spot, right? It, if the Blue Jays beat the Rays, that means they can't catch the Baltimore Orioles. So that means you know your opponent going into the postseason. Uh, it, beat the Rays in in two games, beat the Rays in three games. If you beat the Rays down there at Tropicana Field, it certainly starts to change the narrative, right? And I think it would be an incredible injection to the Blue Jays' confidence for the rest of the postseason, too. Uh, and if you do that, you're going to need your offense to do it too, and this the Blue Jays have great pitching. Like the rotation, even if you need Kevin Gosman in 162, you're lined up pretty well. Yep. You know, Jose Brios made one mistake last night in New York. He he missed his execution with a fastball. Jake Bowers buries it into the second deck. It was one pitch, one mistake. But the Blue Jays offense had no answer for Garrett Cole. Well, you're going to have to have the answers against the Tampa Bay Rays. And to beat the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to need your offense. So again, this is why I think everything working in this race series could benefit if the Blue Jays have success against Tampa Bay, because the pitching will hold up. It has all year long. It's been the most consistent thing about this Blue Jays uh, team has been the rotation. And then the bullpen has been improved. Uh, Sign me up. I'm good with uh, John Schneider putting on his Jordans in the eighth and the ninth inning, you know, lace them up. Get Jordan Hicks in there in the eighth inning, get Jordan Romano there for the ninth inning, get your closers because these are going to be tight games. And, uh, that that only stakes success for the Blue Jays, and and an offense that is okay waking up, you know, for the final nine games and then into the playoffs. Because if you can get into the DS, everything is in the middle of the table for this Toronto Blue Jays club. You know, where they could they could certainly do it with the off days, the manipulation of the rotation. Uh, this could be the turn. This could really be the turning point starting tonight for the rest of the season.
1: Ben Wagner is the voice of the Blue Jays on the Sportsnet radio network. Ben, we all hope you're calling games well into October. Thanks for this, pal.
2: I would love it. Thanks so much for the time.
1: There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I just got a couple minutes here to go before we get to a Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, Off podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Backlin had uh, something super interesting to say yesterday uh, about the captaincy. And I thought it was a little weird. Um, why don't you play the clip? Yeah, that'll be a huge honor. Um,
0: That would mean a lot to me. Um, Spent a lot of years here. Played some really good captains before and uh, learned from some good players. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, But if that question comes up, um, you know, definitely see us. And uh, uh, it'll be a huge honor and something I would be uh, really excited about.
1: Does does that make you feel like he's staying, he's going? Because clearly he's interested in being the captain of the Calgary Flames. So I thought that was kind of weird. It's like if you're because obviously if he's re-signing, he's the slam dunk home run next captain of the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that clip is a mixed message mm-hmm. to fans. It's yeah. like, OK, well, if you love the captain so much, sign then. What, yeah. What's the hold up here? Yeah. Like well, uh, clearly it means something to you. Clearly it yeah. would be an honor to be the captain of this franchise. Then put pen to paper, man. Yeah, and it makes it sound simple like that. But
0: once again, we don't know what any of these offers are. And if the offer doesn't make sense, then you don't have to sign it. And you still have sign you're signed for another year. You have all a training camp. You still get to see what Lindholm is going to do. Like, I understand the point. Just sign the piece of paper. But, like, it's a pretty big decision as well. So, I understand that they're taking their time. Plus, they want to wait to announce a captain, anyways. And maybe they want to announce a captaincy and an extension over. at the same time. I don't know. I could see it. Uh, Backlund also, uh, they tried to, uh, you know, weasel a little bit about his contract out of him right after that, too, and I thought this was pretty good. Contract status excludes
1: you from that conversation right now, or do you think you should still be in consideration? I don't know. We'll see what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Wes. (laughs) Is there
3: anything you can share on that front? No,
1: sorry. That's all I got on that one. That's it. It's just mixed messages. That's what it feels like to me a little bit. I get it. It's it's a business first and foremost, and I understand all of that. But to me, there was a lot of sincerity in what he said about being the captain, mm-hmm. and obviously that would mean a whole world to him. So it's like, gay. Okay. Like what? What do you? Where is he going to? That he's gonna win a cup. Like what team is signing Michael Backlund right now for him to go win a cup? The Avalanche. Colorado made the most sense, but then they
3: went out and got Ross Colton and uh, Johansson. Exactly. Apparently, they made a
0: big push on Backlund before mm-hmm. doing that, too. You think they're doing that now? Maybe Kyrie. just That didn't. was in Elliott's 32 thoughts. Kyrie just didn't want to. Probably not anymore. Oh. But here's pa- the thing. Or Here, they package Backlund and Vladar? Here's the thing about Backlund. Like, this is a guy that's going to be exceptionally valuable to a lot of teams later in the year as well. Mm-hmm. As you get down the road and you realize, okay, we're actually a contender, but yep. maybe if so-and-so was down in our four-hole and we could
1: change someone in our three-hole... I don't think it's out of the, the realm of possibility that the Flames will get a first-round pick for Michael Backlund at I don't, the not hey, I don't think so. I think I that's th- totally... Th-
0: I think that's super yep, fair. Yep. yep. But, Especially if he has another year like he had last year. Right.
3: You just put him with anybody. Like those are the players well. that you need to help you win a Stanley Cup, and those guys are so valuable come March at the deadline. You could hold teams over barrels with them. And listen, Again, he's that got all a depends d- on how the Flames are come March. He's got a 10-team trade list, but if the deadline rolls
0: around and mm-hmm. some contender who wasn't on his list yeah, says, we want to bring you in for yeah. two and a half months to go on a run, I think he's prob- maybe he yeah. would be in a position where he would waive. It's not saying that he has to sign an extension, right? Right. And, and this is all hypothetical if he does not sign. Um, I also think that there's a certain amount of let the guys get to camp and get the feeling before we start doing all of this type of stuff. Like, I, I don't know. I wasn't as taken aback by the backland stuff as I was at the Lindholm because honestly, I think that the team doesn't feel like there is pressure points on these situations the same way that maybe you and I do. That's interesting. Like there, there's no pressure point right now.
1: They're signed for one more year. Again, what happens? Right. Uh, I I understand all of that. And I understand that, that, you know, line of thinking, but also ultimately like this is a team that was, it's still recovering from the wounds that Johnny Goudreau left for nothing.
0: Well, it's also still
1: recovering from the wounds that Daryl Sutter left. And if I'm a player, I I want to say, right. Let's see it. I understand all of that. But to me, it's always about asset management. And you're still manage- managing your assets. These guys haven't walked. They're literally no, signed no, no. I, for another 11 months. No, no, no. I know. You don't have to do anything now. I, I realize that. But again, it, the, it, the worst case scenario is you're trading away guys when you're in a playoff spot. Yeah, but you could also sign them. No, no. I totally right? get that. Like, I'm just saying. I agree. But there's, there's also a, a world where they sign the guys and there's also a world that the team's in a playoff spot and they have to trade them. And that's worst case scenario. That's that's what I don't want the fan base to go through because oh we're we're you know we're fighting for a wild card spot we're in a wild card spot trade deadline goes ooh, Lindholm and Backlund are signed. we got to deal them because we can't go into the summer with those guys without contracts and we can't do that game of you absolutely cannot do that game of going into the summer going oh maybe we can talk them into staying you cannot do that if you're Conroy in the Flames you have to have an answer by the deadline by early March. Either they're signed or they're traded. There's no in between. I guess, but like, let's. What do you mean you guess? It has to be that way. No, but I guess, but like, let's let a month of the season play out here. 100%. Let's see how things start to go. Totally agree with you. But I'm saying this, like, this nonsense of, oh, there are our own um, deadline acquisitions or we're just going to play it out. And sometimes, you know, you've paid the money and you let guys walk for free. I don't think this organization is in a position to do that. Does it have to be all six guys,
0: all seven guys? Because this is a team that has what? Oh, you no. Backlund is a UFA. Lindholm's yep. a UFA. Hannafin, Tanev's a Dorov. Yep. Um, I guess you could put Shillington in there as well, but sure. that one's a little strange. Yeah. Like,
1: Dylan Dubay's an RFA. But like, look at all the assets the Flames can get for all of those guys. Mm-hmm. What's Tanev worth at the trade deadline? A guy who can play how your healthy. top four. It's, he, it's how healthy sure, that guy healthy is
3: because the sure. last few years, as the season's gone on, it's just right. he's not reliable to be
1: there. Like you can fill the cupboards on what you could get for Lindholm, Backlin, Tanev, mm-hmm. Zadorov mm-hmm. at the deadline. You can. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like the deadline to me is literally the deadline here. Either you have him signed or you have to trade him. Yeah. You can't play that dangerous game of chicken and go, oh, maybe they'll stay. But you cannot do that.
3: You can't. I don't think they'll be able to trade like of all the UFAs, I feel like a few of them, a couple of them are at least gonna walk. Like you're not gonna be able to get all the things and you can and you're going like like And if feels like he's getting you're not gonna be able to trade them all. Yeah.
0: And you're talking about guys like Zdorov, yeah. oh you, know, you can trade them all. You can. No, that that's the you, sure you can. But Pat is saying with six UFAs, someone is going to go to market because people go to market. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times that guys just leave teams, but you're focusing on the superstar, which is fair. But my question was, they have six guys. How many guys have this decision has to be made on? Mm -hmm. Like if you reach the deadline and two of them are unsigned, do you feel good about that? And they're still with the team. If you reach the deadline and one of
1: them, like what is the number? And, the, and the it depends most, on who the players are. The three most valuable guys. Well, mm-hmm. you can you can have the argument that um, Tanev... Oh, yeah, we're super late. Yeah, we're super late. Tanev and Backlund maybe have the same value, but I think Backlund's a... You can get a no, lot for Backlund. No, Backlund's a first the round pick. Well, depending on how healthy Taniv. But the three well, I still guys. I don't are, think Tanneh's getting you a first round pick. He uh, doesn't put it, up any offense. Well, the three guys that get you the most is Hanovan, Backlund, and Lindholm. That's mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. And those guys either on contract or not. Those by the are deadline. the three you have
3: to probably think
1: Yeah, I got for these No, guys. There, there's no You have to get something for these right, guys if you don't. It's black resign or white. On. Either you're here or you're the gone. Other by three, the other three, it's like,
3: okay. Whatever. All right,
1: we gotta get to Luke Gazdick. I want to ask him about um um, fitness day, and uh, we'll inv- we'll unveil the text topic next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, nine hundred and sixty, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet nine hundred and sixty, the fan. We're giving away tickets to the Heritage Classic at eight thirty. Here's today's topic for you, and I, it's Friday. I want you to get on the the positive train. I want good vibes around the show, around the city. Elias Lindholm will resign in Calgary because. Blank. Be super positive. I want I want to head into the weekend on a positive note. I want some positivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elias Lindholm will re-sign in Calgary because blank. 960-960 name and location. Oh, we'll, op- we'll, okay. op- we'll open up the phone lines too. At the top of the next hour, uh, the television voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet, Rick Ball, will join us. But right now... He is a sportsnet analyst. He's a former NHLer and is the host of the Mitzvah Podcast on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. We say good morning to Luke Azdic. Hello, friend. How are you?
4: Good morning, guys. How's everybody
1: doing? We're good. Um, want to get your uh, want to get your how you experienced um fitness testing in the National Hockey League. But the the one thing I'm super interested in you you had the opportunity to experience that with Connor McDavid, correct? I did. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is my take, uh, agree or disagree. Is there one guy in the world who they'd be like, you know what? You can sit this one out. Don't worry about it. We trust you. It would be Connor McDavid, like Ken on go, Hey, you know what? You don't got to get on the bike. We know you're good. Uh, just, just go and score us 180 points this season. How was Connor McDavid during fitness testing?
4: Yeah, I mean, if it's, if there's one guy, it's probably him. You're right. But at the same time, he was the absolute one of the most competitive people I've ever met and been around. And he wanted to be in every event and wanted to win every event. Because like I think I told you guys before, they post all that stuff. And I remember even in Calgary, too, when we were out at Winsport... Uh, they're constantly posting the results for every, I mean, I call them events like it's the Olympics, but whatever the, uh, whatever the test is, these things are plastered everywhere. And it's not a great feeling when your name's down the lineup. And Connor wanted to leave no excuses or criticism up to anything. And he wanted to be at the top of everyone kind of setting the example. So, and he pushed, uh, even as a rookie coming in, as an 18-year-old kid, he wanted to push the envelope and um, and 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 set the example right from the start.
1: How did you do in fitness testing?
4: Oh, you know what? <laughs> I, I was pretty good. I uh, I put a lot of effort into the cart. Like we we did some cardio tests that were really uh, really challenging. In Edmonton, we had a shuttle run, and it's it's evolved. Right back in the day when I was with Dallas, when I first got drafted, they had us on the bike doing. We're on the treadmill doing VO2 max and stuff like that. And there's a really tough bike test in Calgary as well. That ends up, uh, I think it's only about three or four minutes, but I was always middle to top of the pack. I prided myself in that because I was a guy that I didn't have that room, like you said, with Connor. Like I, I, I couldn't flop any events. Uh, I, I really had to perform in them. And it was always a constant of me trying to trying to get better. So I was always middle of the pack to the top, boys.
0: Yeah, I, I believe you, Luke. Who was? Uh, or how different was it franchise to franchise between the testing?
4: I mean, it, it pretty much just developed with with time. I think every organization kind of puts a focus into different uh, different strengths, whether it's on ice and off ice. I've seen that change a lot too. Where um, in Edmonton, we had on ice conditioning tests, and I've seen teams leave that in and take that out. I saw John John Tortorella still doing his. 15-lap cardio test or whatever it is. But uh, teams place a lot of value on different things. I remember Calgary uh, was very more sport kind of scientific where we were in the lab and they were checking, you know, breathing. And uh, I think we got our blood pricked and all that. Like, it it was very detailed and dialed. Um, But I'd say that it has gotten easier over time. I think the tests that I did when I was younger in my career were – really like (laughs) really intense and uh you came out of those days i think more tired and susceptible and prone to injury than you were these days they're a lot smarter about it now too um so i think it's gotten maybe easier over time but it's still a challenging couple days
0: uh i might just be pulling for clickbait here but all i heard there is that the flames fitness testing is miles ahead of the oilers fitness testing
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say at the time it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was very more scientific and data driven, I would say. Um, whereas in Edmonton, I, I, I want to say it was more strictly on times and, mm. and, uh, and weights and stuff like that. So, um, I am speaking, I haven't been in Edmonton in, in you know, close to whatever, whatever it is now, eight years. And, uh, it could have changed, but you can run with that if you aren't.
0: Yeah. They were just seeing who could push the biggest rock up a hill.
4: No, I remember we had – oh, man, it, that, that's going a long time back, but I, I do remember a lot of friendly competition. Uh,
0: you mentioned the bottom guys. They'll get chirped for that. Is that something that just persists through training camp, or is that a full-season thing that you have to wear?
4: You have to wear it because if you're a member of that team and your numbers are down and anything like that, like you will be doing extra. You will be trying to improve those numbers throughout training camp, throughout the start of the season – uh, whether it's cardio or whether it's flexibility or strength, whatever it is, they'll make that a focus of your strength training for the entirety of the year. Your strength trainer, uh, RVA, Ryan Van Aften and in, in Calgary will kind of develop a program per player. And even the guys that are going down, I was going to say Stockton, but going down to Calgary in the AHL, uh, everyone is kind of set up with a program that they're going to work off throughout the year. So, It's, uh, man, it sucks. I'll tell you that. There's some guys that got some heavy (laughs) chirps. I remember Benoit Pouliot's a name. I loved Benny. He was one of my favorite teammates, but I think one of the years in Edmonton, he was one of the very bottom guys. And yes, I will tell you that he did not hear the end of that for many months to come uh, in Edmonton. (laughs)
1: Luke Gazdick, uh, NHL on Sportsnet, host of the Midsoft Podcast, joining us here in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. How much into the season, how long does it take to get your quote-unquote legs under you? Is it immediate because of everything you just talked about, fitness testing, have to be in prime shape when you head into training camp, or there is kind of an adjustment to get used to game speed at the NHL level?
4: Yeah, I think everyone has the legs and the conditioning. It's just adjustment and timing. Um, It's definitely a couple weeks, and I think – that's kind of why you saw – I mean, Connor did it in Edmonton. I know the, the uh, Sens guys were doing it. I know the Dallas guys were doing it. Are bringing guys in, one, two weeks early and at least trying to get these guys dialed in and timed uh, for weeks before. But not everyone chooses that system. Um, it definitely takes a couple weeks, couple games. And that's why training camp and preseason is so hard for guys, I think, because you're really just getting thrown into the fire – and and you know you're getting marked and watched and evaluated on on games where you haven't played in a long time and those guys that can make those adjustments quicker and and be smarter about it and 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 get the timing down um, are the ones that that really succeed for me it was always it was always a couple weeks but I wanted to try to get down there at least a little early just to get in you know get in form and get skating with the guys and get passes touching but games are a whole different story too guys it's uh it takes guys a couple days to kind of a couple games sorry to to at least get clicking and um yeah the sooner the better for for guys getting in there i thought for sure would
0: you ever get worked up about which group you got put into on the first day of training camp
4: oh man uh did i ever because coaches (laughs) always say i was looking at this (laughs) yesterday i was watching an interview yesterday guys and I think it was DJ Smith in uh, in Ottawa, and he said they they had a line there. And um, he said, "Well, don't look into those lines too much." Um, but it's they're running things that they are looking for, uh, looking to use coming up soon. So usually the groups do mean a lot. There's usually a group A, a group B, and there's always a group C, and the group C is a lot of um, you know prospects that are in the doghouse, AHL contracts, PTOs, stuff like that. That's the group you don't want to be in. I fell into that group in Calgary when I was there, and that's not a great feeling. Um, but in my experience, it's it's coaches trying out different lines that they've actively thought about in you know in in meetings and with management, and they're trying out different things. So it, in my experience, when coaches say don't look too much into that, it's it's kind of them just deflecting because they're they're definitely trying out some things in camp. It's a couple preseason games, and then the season just starts. They, they don't have too long to be tinkering with lineups.
0: Uh, we heard Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weegar I'll speak to the media here in Calgary yesterday, and all three of them talked about how they're just so much more comfortable this year. I think a couple of them mentioned, like, yeah, I actually have a house now. Can you just talk about what the differences will be for these guys? I'm sure you've seen teammates who got traded to a team that you were on or, or came in midseason that maybe weren't expecting it didn't have a great year, but then they kind of adjust to the idea and come back better this next season?
4: Well, there's a couple factors in Calgary for sure. I think, uh, obviously, Daryl was a little harder on uh, some of those players uh, last year, and as I talked about before, Ryan makes it a very inviting and welcoming environment for teams. He he sets the standard high and, and expects a lot of you, but in a very kind of comforting way. Um, and he's looking for the best for the players um, and you know what even just the break after coming back from the summer and getting to see your guys again and um, you know getting settled in with the house or wherever you li- live um, getting in Calgary in the fall all that stuff is you know it's making me uh, it's making me happy now to think about because it's such a good time it's such a good feeling it's hard not it's hard to be in a bad mood at, at that point when you're with all your boys and you're starting to go for dinners again. And that's a really good, positive feeling. And it's it, it's up to, you know, coaches and management to kind of curate that environment and, and keep that going. And Ryan really does a really good job of that. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that there are a lot of guys with positive mindsets right now. There's not too much to be upset about right now.
1: Um, w- when you're on a team that you you, you kind of know that maybe you're not a Stanley Cup contender, Luke, how do guys deal with that at the beginning of the year? I know there's a lot of optimism that you know everybody's in and everybody's in the mix, but when you're realistic, like if you're in Anaheim in training camp, like you're just you're just worried about yourself, like worried about your career, like you know we basically have no chance of winning the Stanley Cup. How do those guys deal with heading into a new season?
4: Oh man, that's a that's a good question because i think the teams that i was on going into it for the most part were in the mix were 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 in the mix and even when i was in edmonton and we were in last place in or close to last place i think after the first year it was like there was always still that optimism after with the players that are coming in and the lineup that you have you have to be realistic at times and i'm sure there is some realism behind closed doors but they're really just looking for performance they want to grow they want to build and You know, I read some of the quotes from or watched some of the quotes yesterday. I heard Nas say, "What you got to have a chance to get in the dance or whatever he says. And um, guys knowing that they're the roster can, you know, do really good things. But um, they just got to have a good start here and and, and grow because a team specifically like Calgary, honestly, if they get a good start and Jacob Markstrom, starts playing some good hockey, this roster can do anything. And that's that's a roster that you don't have to lie about. Those Flames guys don't have to lie about their team being a Stanley Cup contender because, honestly, that's a heck of a hockey team.
0: We're all waiting to see who their captain is. How much do you think the players talk about that?
4: Oh, man. You know, oh, I, I would think that... There are some conversations, but not a ton. I, I think that's almost a distraction to them as well. There's probably some internal, you know, with guys just questioning who and who. At this point, I would think there's a pretty clear-cut answer if if you would ask the players, honestly. Like, I, I think they would probably have a guy that they think or or know that it should be. Um, You kind of get that sense at this point in training camp. I remember being in the locker room in Dallas when Jamie Ben got named captain. We were in the video room and it was one of those things where everyone just kind of knew. And I know there's not really that kind of guy with Calgary, um, but I'm sure there's been um, talk between coaches and players as well. And they're probably getting down to it here soon. I I, I would think that uh, there's a little bit of scuttlebutt about it.
1: What what's your thoughts on the Los Angeles Kings? We we talked about them a little bit, uh, just about uh, odds and, and and potentially seventeen to one to win the Stanley Cup. What's your thoughts on the L.A. Kings? Because to me, I think they're a big time dark horse here to potentially win a Stanley Cup.
4: Yeah, you and I just saw uh, Paul Bissonnette as nasty had them in his top three, and mm. I I don't necessarily disagree with that. I am not a huge fan of Pierre-Luc Dubois specifically. Um, I know that a lot of people think that that addition puts them over the top. And, yeah, they have some good depth and and a pretty good team overall. They're going to split duties in that with Copley and a nice veteran in in Cam Talbot. Um, But they still got to go through Edmonton. they still got to go through Vegas. And right now, I don't see them being better than either of those two teams. So at the end of the day, I really like – I think they're going to have a great regular season. I think they are built – very well especially for that conference i just think at the end of the day they are still not good enough to beat either vegas or edmonton um i think calgary's gonna have some great battles with them this year too but um everyone is hyping them up i just i'm not buying it yet i i don't see it um and not a huge pld fan so i'm not sure if that uh, that brings them to the next level.
1: Uh, real quick, we talked about the Avalanche a little bit. Are they deep enough to have a deep run?
4: Yeah, the Avs are a real good dark horse team for me. I love a couple of the additions I made. Miles Woods, a teammate I had in New Jersey, perfect for Denver, perfect for Colorado hockey. Slotting Ross Colton in there is really good. I love storylines and I love feel good stories. So the idea of Jonathan Duran having like this unreal comeback bounce back a year with his old junior teammate named mckinnon is fun to think about they're fast never forget mccarr he's going to be an absolute weapon on the back end this year that's a really really good team and probably the team that's going to come out of the central with, with the best record there I, I would think
1: uh luke gazdick um nhl on sportsnet uh host of the Mitsov podcast luke always fun to catch up pal thanks for this Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, because Connor McDavid uh, was a savage on testing, too, because he's Connor McDavid. Yeah, cool. I would just like him to saunter in during, uh, it's like, I'm good, guys. I'm good. That'd be such, like, a
0: superstar (laughs) mentality, just, like, I, I would like if there's, like, a window to the fitness testing and he, like, stands behind the window with his arms behind his back. He's just watching all the other guys sweat on the bike. Yeah, and just, like, with, like, one assistant over his shoulder that he doesn't say a word to the entire time. Like some sort of military captain?
1: Uh, it was just like Aaron Rodgers not playing a preseason game since 2018. He's like, yeah, that's that's for yeah. you guys, yeah. not, not so much for me. Exactly. Yeah, and I he did finally this year. And I then think I'm good. Catastrophic injury happened in four plays into his Jets career. But uh, I just again. feel like, yeah, if there's one guy, I'd be like, yeah, that's okay. You Just rest up those legs for the season, Connor. We need mm-hmm. you to skate like a, mm-hmm. like nobody else has ever skated in the history of the game.
0: I was um, trying to hold in my laughter at one point of that interview because the idea of, like, you know, he mentioned Benoit Pouliot not, not testing very well. And, and they gave it to him for a couple of months. I just imagine, like, an NHLer who, just being in the NHL, you are exponentially in better shape than I am. Yes. Right. Imagine him just going up to the buffet line, skips a salad, and all of his buddies just start <laughs> calling him names, and he's like he's like a prime athlete. He's like yeah. a top five percent of humanity top athlete one
1: percent, yeah, like he's yeah.
0: way up there, and just the idea of these guys like ripping on him for oh, yeah. Yeah. his body <laughs> yeah. like when yeah. when we're all sitting here like yeah. bags of milk exactly. that, that's just a hilarious situation for me.
1: Uh, my favorite story. No is,
0: salad for you today, hey? Huh. What do you got, like four pounds of no.
1: body fat? The best story ever when Keith Kachuk tacked on like 30 pounds during the lockout. And he came <laughs> back to camp 30 pounds heavier than he was the season. <laughs> That's the best. He gave zero bleeps. <laughs> like, there were was two Did different Keith
3: There were two different Keith yeah. Kachuks. <laughs> yeah, lockout,
1: whatever. I'm not doing anything. Did you see how the
0: Leafs... Um, they sent out like the sizes of their players, in yeah, the, yeah. their training camp thing, sure. and they actually wrote by each player how much they had grown or how much they had changed their oh. weight or their height. So for instance, Austin Matthews <laughs> is seven pounds heavier than he was last year. Morgan Riley is three pounds heavier. Connor Timmons is 21 pounds heavier than well, he was last year. Trying to get a little the more feisty,
3: come playoff. Tyler say?
0: Bertuzzi, Martin Jones, and Sam Lafferty have all grown an inch. How's that possible? How? I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Stop reading read what like it 18. says, guys. I just said.
1: <laughs> what do you mean they've grown an inch?
0: <laughs> Tyler Bertuzzi and Max stone <laughs> both put on 14 pounds. Oh, Martin my... Jones, 13 pounds. Jesus. Like, what do they doing? <laughs> I don't know, now? dude. <laughs> I don't know, What man. are they on?
2: The
1: Barry Bonds?
0: It's like, yeah, I, like I know, know
1: why Barroid
0: grew. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm scrolling through this. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, an, an inch? An inch. <laughs>
1: Tyler Bertuzzi's like 30. Weird. Um, Rick Ball's the television voice. They just have voice. different measurements He's compared guy. to where they were yeah, before. Is. Yeah. Rick Ball's a tall dude. He's a television <laughs> voice of the flame, so join us straight ahead. I don't get it. All three
0: of these guys did play in American cities last year, so maybe there's a little bit of a I don't know, conversion rate between inches between Canada and the U.S.? Yeah, we, we measured system. measure in inches. Yeah, we, we measure <laughs> inches in the metric system up here, so it's different.
1: <laughs> uh, Rick Ball, the television voice of the Flames straight ahead, and uh, we're giving away tickets to the Heritage Classic in Edmonton between the Flames and the Oilers. Uh, we want to be positive on a Friday as we head into the weekend. Elias Lindholm will re-sign in Calgary because blank. Elias <laughs> Lindholm will re-sign in Calgary because blank. One of the texts says, yeah, Connor Timmons gained 21 pounds because they couldn't pay
0: to feed him in
1: Arizona. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> Rick Ball next. Big Show. Russick and Sports at 960. The Fan.